We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com BE. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I'm your host, Jethro Jones, and you can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. This episode is brought to you by John Cat Educational, a professional development publisher serving as the global leader in combining both research and practice in all materials. Find timely PD publications to support yourself and your faculty by visiting them online at us.johncatbookshop.com. Great instruction gets students engaged. TeachFX equips teachers with the instructional strategies and job-embedded feedback they need to get students engaged in virtual or in-person classes. Learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer at teachfx.com slash transformative principle. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am excited to have Sarah Lavezzo on the program today. She is the founder and director of Ascend Micro School in Colorado Springs. She's a gifted intervention specialist and has also co-authored several curriculums for the United States Institute of Peace and Heart Work. She is passionate about learner-driven education, global education, empowering children and young adults. She is the mom of a delightfully unique little girl and loves to build community with other parents and support them in their journeys. And you can reach her at sarah at ascendmicroschool.com. Sarah, welcome to Transformative Principle. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, I'm uh, so excited to talk to you. The micro school scene is something that I've been interested in for some time and had a few different founders of micro schools on. And what I love about what micro schools typically stand for is this idea of adapting our education system to the kids that are right in front of us, which is something I'm a big believer in myself. So tell us first a little bit about Ascend Micro School and what that school looks like, what makes it unique. Sure. So we are a K-5 school, for those that don't really know 
micro schools that much. The term can mean a lot of different things, but we're K through five at this point. We are starting middle school next year and we'll go up through high school. We have 24 kids. We have them divided roughly into two different groups. So we have a primary teacher and an intermediate teacher. They're kind of divided up, but we also have a lot of going back and forth between the two groups. And then there's a teacher and an assistant in both groups. Normally we're literally like a one-room schoolhouse this year due to COVID. We split up into two different buildings, one down a little path run it. We rent from a campground actually. We're in the forest and do a lot of outdoor education as well. But we were able to spread out this year so that we could still meet in person, which has been great. And it sounds like you're small enough that you have been able to meet in person during the COVID restrictions. Have you done any virtual meeting? So we were virtual from March till the end of the school year, like most of the world. And then we did go back in August. We spend a lot of time outside. In fact, we didn't really go inside at all the first two months. And now that I'm in Colorado, so the weather has kind of turned, but every day that it's nice enough to be outside, we're outside. So we have been able to be in person and have thankfully not had any cases or suspected cases. So we've had no disruptions so far in our school year, which has been amazing. And I'm sure the size of our school has had a lot to do with that. Tell us a little bit about the setup of the school, the kind of students that you're attracting and who you're looking for to come to your school. Yeah, so we attract a very diverse population. I started the school a couple years ago, mostly with my daughter in mind and my background working with gifted and twice exceptional students knowing that while I'm a huge advocate for public schools, before we moved here, I worked in DC public schools. I knew that she would not fit in to a traditional school. And I really was like, as a teacher, I can't do that to another teacher because she, my daughter learned to read it too. She's currently five and is working at a third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade level, depending on the different things that we're talking about. And so I knew that a public school would have trouble serving her and that's okay. My husband does tech startups, so he's very entrepreneurial. And we both decided we should just start something because I the choice for us was either homeschool her or start something. And she's an only child. So we decided to start a micro school after multiple years of research and trying to convince myself I could do it. <laughs> and so I think because that was my story in terms of starting it, we attract a lot of kids who just don't typically fit into the public school mold. And which is wonderful for such an agile school for the mastery based approach, because we can follow each child wherever they are. And most of our students are working at multiple grade levels at a time in different subjects. Some are radically accelerated, like my daughter in one or all subjects, and some have a huge focus on projects and working on real world projects. We have a big service learning component. So our student body is really kids that want a hands-on education, that want to take control of their learning. And as a hybrid school, kids come to school two to three days a week. The parents are also really involved. So we attract families who want to be really involved in their kids' education, but also want that collaborative learning environment. I like that approach and being able to serve kids where they're at and what they're experiencing and recognizing their gifts and abilities, I think is so important. 
So you mentioned twice exceptional and gifted kids and people recognizing that they're at different levels than other students. And so talk a little bit about how you use mastery-based learning. Our connection for this podcast is Scott Ellis at Mastery Track, which they do such good work there in helping schools really implement mastery-based teaching in their schools. So talk about why mastery-based is so important, especially with the population that you're working with, but why it's so important for everybody to pay attention to. Yeah. So my background in gifted education, one of the really common techniques that gifted intervention specialists encourage classroom teachers to use is called curriculum compacting, which is basically assessing students like a pretest, really, And then the items and skills that students already have mastered, they can skip over and like go to the back of the room or go to the gifted intervention specialist's room and work on something else that can take those same concepts deeper or might be just like a rabbit trail of a project for them. And it just makes sense for for all kids, I feel like. I really went into it thinking like, what what has my training and experience in gifted education been? it's been so rich. And I was in a program in elementary school and middle school and high school that was the same thing. Like I, when I mastered something, I went to the specialist's room and worked on projects. And that was so impactful to me. And I wanted to be able to create an environment where kids had that opportunity as well. So when we set out to create our own school, it really just made sense like that. There were a few things that just made sense. And we're like, yeah, this is what we're going to do. Like not much thought really went into it because it just, my life as a student and as a professional just lent itself to that makes sense. So, and mastery-based learning was really one of the most important. Classroom teachers certainly know this as well. Like you see kids when they are bored, they tend to act out. A lot of twice exceptional kids don't get identified for gifted services. It's becoming more of a thing, but it wasn't for a while that they would just be overlooked because most people think that gifted education is just these kids that get it and are the perfect students. And that's some of them, but it's not all of them. It's certainly not my daughter. So mastery-based education helps us to see where the kids are and as they check off these boxes, like literally mastery track, you check off the little circles and go in and they can check off their mastery. It allows them the freedom to work on other things once they've mastered that. And it just gives them the ownership of their learning because they see what they've mastered. They see what's ahead. They have some choice in when do they learn what they need to learn. And it just gives that common term of mastery to the whole group. And it also helps kids to, I think, feel more confident because they see and how mastery track is set up. Most of the subjects are multi-age grade bands instead of in fourth grade, you do this in third grade, you do this in sixth grade, you do this. And some of them are that, but for the most part, it kind of combines some grades. And so you don't have as much comparison, which when you have a multi-age classroom is a really important thing because I have I have a, currently have a fifth grader who's doing pre-algebra and I have some third graders who are like doing second grade, third grade math. And that's all okay. All of those things are okay and right for the student and to have 
the terminology associated with mastery learning allows for them to feel confident in where they are right at that moment and to know that we appreciate where they are and we're helping them where they are and they're on their own timeline to master things. And I've just seen a, a load come off of a lot of kids' shoulders when they finally realize that what we're saying about they can learn at their own pace and they're in control of their learning. When they realize that's actually what we mean and we're not just saying that, the kids just blossom. And so that's what I really love about mastery learning. Yeah, that's great. One of the things that I've seen for sure is what you were just talking about, that idea of kids we say something and they think it means one thing, but we don't actually follow through on that in education. And that's just an interesting dynamic to be aware of and pay attention to because it does make a difference when the kids know that their, their learning is in their control. And, and it really is with mastery learning where it's not necessarily, if you have a curriculum that you're trying to follow and have everybody on the same page, John Cat Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. The latest John Cat publications include a book whose bold, transformative ideas amaze and infuriate people around the world, according to one reviewer, a title from Global Leaders in Curriculum Planning, Practice, and Retrieval, one book that says Stop Talking and Start Doing with regard to teacher well-being, and much more. These books used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes at jethrojones.com slash podcast. During COVID, every teacher is a new teacher. That's why innovative school leaders are turning to TeachFX, whose professional learning platform doubles student engagement online or in person. To learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer, visit teachfx.com slash transformative principle. I created a new podcast with my friend Frederick Lane called Cybertraps. We are exploring the myriad risks and adverse consequences that can arise from the use and misuse of digital devices and electronic communication tools. Please subscribe to the Cybertraps podcast, and if you like it, please give us a rating. Here's an excerpt from an interview with Eric Stevens on the value of identity and being ethical in our work with underserved populations. If I approach my research with the intention of helping a group of people, but I'm using the data that they themselves have created and have been replicated by their their own personal identity, replicated over and over and over and over, my research is already flawed ethically. Some people, that's not a big thing. For me, it was problematic because I didn't want to feel like I was exploiting people, but I still wanted to help. What I ended up creating was I wanted to understand the prison system at the language level across time um, and across space in the United States. Um, Basically, I wanted to understand if we send a person to prison, we're sending them to a correctional facility um, with correctional officers. And we give them handbooks to say, hey, this is what you should be doing. What I wanted to answer was at the language level with the technical documents that we hand to um, an inmate, 
what are we correcting them to? To what standard are we asking them to be at the language level? Check out more from this interview at cybertraps.com slash seven. This week in the mastermind, we tackled some really tough issues. One participant said, we're in very lonely positions. And if we don't have people to talk to, it can make our hair gray. We need to step back and see it's not as bad as it seems. You may have felt lonely in your leadership position lately. The mastermind can help. Go to jethrojones.com and schedule a time to talk today. What I do want to ask you more about, though, is this idea of the comparison, because the comparison is an interesting piece that when we compare kids to other kids, that's when we see deficits. When we compare kids to themselves, those deficits disappear because you can't be behind where you're at because you're just where you're at. And so it's kind of this thing where we've talked a lot about during the pandemic, these times where kids are falling behind or losing out on something. And that's not really what's happening. Kids can't fall behind because they only fall behind when you compare them to somebody else or compare them to something that is not related to them, like a a curriculum guide that says they should be at this particular place. And what you're saying is that the mastery learning allows them to accelerate more than otherwise and allows them to comfortably accelerate because they are in control and they can see what they're doing. Can you talk a little bit more about that piece of how comparison is, is damaging to them? We are in our second year at the micro school and last year I saw a lot of it. It's getting lesser now, but the older kids, so in the upper elementary, and I'm sure this will be an issue next year with middle school if when, you, when we have new students, but typically when we have new students, they come in really struggling with that comparison because they see they're in a multi-age classroom and there's some kids are ahead of them, but younger than them. And some kids are behind them, but older than them. And the comparison I think is really damaging. I've had multiple students who really their whole, almost their whole first year with us last year, we had several of these kids that like they didn't make a ton of academic progress. And like in talking with parents, like we knew that at the beginning of the year that what we wanted was to get them out of their own heads of comparison and to really build foundational skills. Now, a lot of the kids that we serve, they're at our school for a reason that their needs were not being met elsewhere just because of their uniqueness. And oftentimes resources are not there for neurodiverse kids. And so to have these kids come in oftentimes quote unquote behind where they're they were supposed to be for their grade level because their needs weren't being met. And so it's a lot of counseling them through this is your past. This is where your education has gone to at this point but we're going to work on building you up through the future and you get to pick your pace. And do you feel comfortable moving on or do you want to stay and keep working on this? Or do you want to switch gears completely and then come back to that later? Because we see the comparison is so, so damaging to their future work in their schoolwork and honestly in life and to try to give them the confidence of who they are as a person and to show them that their value is much more 
than a letter grade on a report card or the grade level on a math workbook that they may have, that their value is this huge thing that they're able to do that they uniquely are able to do. And when we put it from that perspective and the academics are just a way to help them get there, then that's when you really see the light come on in their faces. And probably the biggest compliment parents give me is my kid used to cry and scream about going to school and now they can't wait. And I think that has a lot to do with just that mentality of removing the comparison and encouraging each child and the kids encouraging each other when they get something or they master something. And it's not this competition between them. Probably one of my favorite stories this year has been, so the kids decided they wanted to write an original musical. And my teaching assistant and I are both very much into musical theater. So we were like, yes, this is a great idea. And they wanted to do the show to raise money for an orphanage we partner with in Guatemala. And we wrote the script and it was right before fall break and it was time to assign parts. And I had all of the kids write out when they, what parts they wanted and just like list all of them. And then we kind of did pick sticks and probably one of the best things I have this group of girls who all are really artsy and all wanted the main parts. And as I picked in, I was really expecting like tears. I was expecting like parents coming to me like, oh, she's really struggling with this. And instead what I saw was the girls giving the ones that got the parts they wanted hugs and encouraging them and saying, wow, congratulations. And one of the girls on the way home said to her mom, I never realized that that's what friends could be. I never realized that friends could build me up and support me. And that was really cool. Yeah, that is awesome. And what's so amazing is I've had so many experiences like that when we've been able to take that competition away and allow people to live in the gifts that they have. I That is such a fantastic story. I, just, I love that, Sarah. That's so good. My next question is, is inspired by what you said earlier, but I think it was answered by what you said later, but I want to dive into it a little bit more. So the, the kids who didn't, who are doing mastery learning, they have a different approach and they are focusing more on their own growth and development. And one of the pieces of feedback that I hear is, well, what if we have a kid who is unmotivated and doesn't want to do the work to get to the next level or wants to stay someplace when they're really ready to go on? What's your response to those kinds of criticisms about mastery-based learning? I mean, that obviously comes up. There are definitely kids who are less motivated, especially in certain subjects. Math is typically the one that I find. In my experience, it's really a heart issue. And when you spend the time to get to that heart issue and really talk through with them, and it's not like a, oh, let's have a five-minute conversation and then surprise, all better. It can be like, like I said, like last year we had some kids that were set where they were for a year and we worked on a lot of these issues and building that confidence. And now they come back this year and it's like off to the races. And so it's definitely an issue, but very rarely is there a kid that's actually unmotivated. Typically there's something holding them back, whether it's a confidence issue, a learning challenge, signals being crossed from school to home, 
or feeling like they're being judged. There's so much that can go into it, or they're just not interested in it and you need to find a different approach. And so getting to know the child, that's one of the reasons we have, like I have 12 kids in my class this year. So in addition to running the school, I also am one of the teachers and I have 12 kids in my class, which is such a small group size compared to any of my other teaching experiences in public school. But I have another person in the room with me. And yes, that helps with academics. But more importantly, that means that somebody is always available to talk through things with the kids. And I think that is probably one of the most invaluable things that we have in the micro school world. Like there's typically lots of extra adults around and that helps with conflict resolution. That helps when a child needs extra attention. I mean, teachers can only do so much for one singular person (laughs) and that ability to work with kids and talk with kids and make them feel valued and seen without a rush time of, oh, I have to go do this now. So sometimes like my TA takes over for me. Sometimes she's talking with a child and we just work it out so that the kids can always have time to talk and they know that there's an adult with a listening ear. And I think that relationship solves so many problems just naturally. I think you're absolutely right. That's been my experience as well, that the relationship can overcome all those challenges. Well, maybe not all of them, but the vast majority of them. And it's something that we tried this year in our family. I created a little micro school. And as of right now, as we're recording this, I don't have any students besides my own children in it. But what I've seen is that as we have, as the adults had patience, like you were talking about and helped our kids work through the challenges that are preventing them from being successful, we've seen tremendous growth in them as we've done that. So for example, for a long time, one of my kids didn't want to do anything at all. And it was frustrating to us as parents to see that happen because we knew that there was potential there and there was we knew that that child could accomplish more than what they were doing. And it just took a long time for for that child to want to do anything. But once that child wanted to do something, it really changed a lot of things because it wasn't just about me saying you have to do this. It was more about that child choosing to want to do something and putting all of their heart and effort into it. And so we could be patient while we waited for that change to come over them. And then we could really put an emphasis on them being successful and and getting done what they really need to. And that patience, I think, is so vital. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, even as a mom with my own daughter as a hybrid school, I have her on Mondays and Fridays for our homeschooling days. And just I'm very type A. She is as well. And our personalities are just so similar and so intense. And realizing that I need to give her the same freedom at home that I give all of the kids at school and the same grace to not always be super motivated. And our homeschooling days have really turned more into like unschooling. She plays cello and does a lot of other various things. She also is trying to start her own little business to make cards. So we're like working on those sorts of things. I think she's in, she has inherited the entrepreneur mindset from her daddy but that that patience with her and knowing like she's almost six like she's really young 
And it can be hard to transition from, I think, home to school sometimes and allowing like all of the philosophy that I've built this school on to also be part of my home. But I think a lot of parents and teachers and principals this past year have really learned that. Yeah, I I think that has been a major lesson that that everybody has learned. This has been a fantastic conversation. I've loved hearing about your school. The final question that I have is, what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal? I I guess I will share. We had our little staff party, Christmas party. There's four of us. Last night, our little Christmas party. And one of the things that I had just decided to do, which seemed, I don't know why I decided to do it, but I did, was I decided to like write up a little something about each of the staff members and what they meant to me and meant to the school and shared that with them and not expecting anything returned. But then they all like, we, it turned into this all like everybody speaking life into each other. But I think, yeah, just speaking life into the people you're around, whether it be your staff members, your students, your families, just telling them what they mean to you and appreciating them and knowing that we're all on the same team, even though sometimes we go about goals differently. I have noticed that I feel so fulfilled as the leader of a school, but also with my colleagues, and with the families and with the kids, because we all together have created this culture of respect and love and speaking life to each other and calling out the good and finding strengths and working through any conflicts that arise from a, a place of assuming positive intent. So I would say that's a very long answer to say, like, call out the people in your school and tell them how amazing they are and encourage them. And that can look like sending a quick email or calling them up on the phone or writing a handwritten note. Any of those things are things you can do right now to really lift the spirits of the people you see day in and day out. And especially this year, we all really need lifted spirits. So that's what I would say. Excellent. I think that's great advice. And I I love what you said, how you didn't really expect it to turn into something, but then it did. And that is a testament to the culture that you're building at your school, where it's not about competition and it's about making yourself the very best that you can. And that really does go a long way. So I I want to say thank you again, Sarah, for being part of Transformative Principle. This has been a great conversation. Your uh, insight and inspiration has been very valuable. Again, if you want to connect with Sarah, you can go email her, sarah at ascendmicroschool.com. And uh, definitely check out her website, ascendmicroschool.com. Learn more about that school. And I just want to say thank you again, Sarah, for being part of Transformative Principle. Thank you for having me. Thanks for the great discussion. Thank you to our valued partner, John Cat Educational. If you are a leader looking to make transformative change by providing yourself and your leaders and teachers with professional development that is research-based and rigorous, yet easy to digest and full of practical strategies, check out the latest publications from John Cat. Visit us.johncatbookshop.com to find information on bulk orders or learn much more in our show notes. 
You can also use the code transformative to save a bundle at us.johncatbookshop.com. School principals across the country are using TeachFX's virtual PD and job-embedded feedback to boost student engagement during COVID. With TeachFX, teachers get eight times more feedback and generate 144% more student engagement on average in a school year with no additional work for school leaders or teachers. To learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer, visit teachfx.com slash transformative principal. Hey, middle school principals, what if I told you that all your teachers had to do to teach your students really valuable social and emotional competencies was just press play? In Control SEL is a fully automated video curriculum that teachers and students absolutely love. And that's because it's easy, and it looks just like a Netflix or a YouTube show. So all you have to do to hear about how it can completely transform your school is schedule your call. Tell us Jethro sent you and you'll get 20% off if you feel like it's a good fit. So go now to www.incontrolsel.com slash strategy call to schedule your call today. The link will be in the show notes. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.